0: Lecture at the Indiana University-Kelley School of Business. We'll be discussing your article, The Unlikely Pressure for Accountability, The Insurance Industry's Role in Social Change, which is forthcoming in the Texas Journal on Civil Liberties and Civil Rights. I'll add a link to the article in the show notes for the episode. Angela, welcome to the Business Scholarship Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me tonight.
0: Angela, directors and officers of business organizations are potentially exposed to personal liability for the decisions that they make. How does exposure to personal liability shape their behavior? And historically, and perhaps as a derivative of that question, how has the presence of directors and officers insurance, D&O insurance and d insurers affected the way that personal liability or the threat of personal liability shapes director and officer conduct and behavior?
1: Honestly, looking around in recent times and quite some time in the past, I think we can all agree that many directors and officers have not been concerned about the risk of personal liability. And the reason for that is because they have historically been protected by that director and officer's insurance, that DNO insurance. That role and presence of DNO insurance plays into the fact that they haven't been that concerned. I'll start by explaining how exposure. Two personal liability shapes the decisions of people becoming a board member. Directors and officers want to make the right decisions for their company, of course, for their shareholders, their clients. However, mistakes can happen. And if they do, they might get all of the blame placed on them as the director or the officer. And these kind of cases include breach of fiduciary duty, misrepresentation of company assets, misuse of company funds. Fraud, failure to comply with the workplace laws, I'll give some examples throughout, but a resulting lawsuit would seek to hold that director or that officer personally liable. And that would mean that they have personal financial repercussions, but also even like their spouses and their family might have those financial repercussions. Further, many states have laws against companies identifying the directors or officers and any of those kinds of actions. Meaning that if they are found liable, the company can't pay their judgment or their settlement. Luckily for directors and officers, traditionally DNO insurance would be able to step in in those cases. It protects the personal assets of the directors or officers from having to pay any personal assets when they are found personally liable for something. Particularly, there's a section called the personal protection part of the policy, and that protects directors and officers. It's called side A, and it acts as professional liability insurance. As an attorney, I have professional liability insurance and acts in the same way. It provides reimbursement for losses. Or defense costs in the event the insured suffers a loss as a result of a legal action. Imagine a director, Will Carmen Mark. He's accused of sexually assaulting an employee. Usually, how we hear about it is an employee sues the company. Then the allegations are proven true, and there's a large settlement paid out. Then there's a stack drop because of the case. The shareholders. File a derivative suit against Mark the director for failure to apply with workplace laws, among other things, leading to litigation costs for the company, settlement costs for the company, and that stock drop that all affected the value of the company. Now say ultimately this case settles for $50 million. And what would happen is that would go back to the company. So not to the shareholders because it's a derivative suit. This would go directly to the company. It's paying back what they have lost because of the director's wrongdoings. That circumstance, Mark would be personally liable. And the company can't indemnify him. They can't pay that 50 million. Now, do you think he has to pay from his personal assets? Most people say yes, except the company had DNO insurance. And therefore, under side A, that personal protection part of the policy, the insurance company would pay that $50 million for the company. Given that these are so expensive it is extremely important to have high level decision makers have protections in place and a robust dno insurance helps business attract and secure talent in those dno positions because we're saying hey we're going to protect you we have this insurance it's an incentive that the company can support the directors and officers in any cases that may arise whether true or not and it makes the directors and officers feel more secure in their ability to make decisions for the company.
0: I'd like to step back from DNO Insurance for just a moment. We'll come back to it in a moment. But you talked about a hypothetical involving a high-level executive engaged in sexual harassment. It doesn't seem like so much of a hypothetical given some of the corporate scandals that we've seen over the last few years. Could you talk about the trend over the last few years for Increased corporate focus on diversity, equity, inclusion at public companies. How have they responded to movements like the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter and other social movements in this area?
1: Sexual harassment is definitely something we hear about a lot now. Over the past decade, actually, there has been an increase in social activism, causing social movements to sweep over the country and across the globe. Most notably, since the Me Too movement picked up steam in the late 2017 and early 2018, we have seen a much louder and more vocal demand for diversity in the workplace. And corporate America reacted. You may remember in 2019, the Business Roundtable released a new statement, On the purpose of a corporation. In summary, the statement made it clear that the purpose of the business was not simply to maximize profits for the shareholders. That's what we had been going on for decades. And they switched that now the purpose was to create value for all their stakeholders, their customers, their employees, their suppliers, their communities, and their shareholders. But it also specifically addressed in that statement, diversity in the workplace. And it said that maintaining fundamental commitment to invest in their employees by fostering diversity, inclusion, dignity, and respect was part of that purpose. So then, remember that's August 2019, after the Me Too movement picked up steam, but then the summer of 2020 became a breaking point. As corporations were already being scrutinized for corporate diversity efforts, social unrest rocked the nation following the murder of George Floyd. And then we had the rise of the BLM movement. And suddenly these big brands were making corporate justice statements. They were donating large sums of money or pledging to donate large sums of money and asserting promises to reflect the importance of diversity in their organizations. Just to give you an idea, approximately 69% of S&P 500 companies made a statement in support of racial justice. 36% of those companies made financial donations to racial justice organizations and causes. For example... In June 2020, Netflix allocated 2% of its cash holdings, initially up to $100 million, to financial institution organizations directly supporting Black communities. Another example is that PepsiCo said it would increase the number of Black managers by 30% by 2025. Apple committed $100 million to its Racial Equity and Justice Initiative. Facebook pledged to double the number of Black and Latino employees by 2023 and increase the number of people of color in leadership positions by 30%, including 30% more Black people in leadership positions. The list goes on and on. There's hundreds of examples of responses that corporations made in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. However, for many of these companies, including Facebook, the public claims that their pledges were just empty promises. But to give you some perspective of how big the BML movement was on corporate America, this was a much bigger response than the Me Too movement generated. Three months after the Weinstein story broke out, so really the beginning of the Me Too movement when it picked up steam, only 12 U.S. Fortune 500 companies had issued a response. So additionally, many of these companies who made responses to the BMO movement, they had also been making public statements, publishing statements promoting diversity, equity, inclusion. Many had made promises in their proxy statements to shareholders that they were committed to diversity, equity, inclusion. And as I previously mentioned, now we're seeing that many companies have failed to live up to those commitments. A study from Creative Investment Research found that U.S. companies pledged over $50 million towards racial equality. But since then, only $250 million has been spent or donated. Now keep in mind some of that was over like the next five years. But that's a big difference. $50 billion pledged and $250 million has only been devoted so far and that number was as of May 2021
0: what reactions have we seen from shareholders to these corporate undertakings and have we seen any reactions any signs of dno insurers getting engaged and perhaps having any impact in this area
1: shareholders are not happy they are angry and they're disappointed They have found a new avenue for pushing corporations to do better. This is what I've coined diversity-driven derivative lawsuits. Diversity suits are mainly used as a mechanism for accountability, and that accountability seeks two goals. First one is to recover monetary damages on behalf of the company due to wrongful acts of officers and directors, like the example I gave earlier of that of Mark, the director, accused of sexual assault. The second one is to promote corporate governance by requiring that corporations change policies and practice. And what we are seeing is both of those in this situation, but really pushing for that second one to change corporate governance. What we saw starting in July 2020 was a frenzy of these diversity-driven derivative suits that were filed against the board and officers of high-profile public companies Alleging that the board and officers breached their fiduciary duties by failing to fulfill their diversity initiatives. Several derivative suits were filed against big names such as Facebook, Cisco, Oracle, The Gap, Monsters Beverages. A lot of suits were filed. And they were seeking remedies such as those monetary ones, like multi-million dollar corporate donations to organizations supporting minority advancement and programs to hire, promote, retain diverse talents, as well as investments in a diverse personal talent pipeline. They were requiring diversity training for board members. So this goes to that policy part, that second part of the goal, setting new corporate goals and policies for diverse hiring processes and practices. They were requiring published annual diversity reports and calling for corporate board members to reform, including removal of existing board members to make way for new diverse members. As explained earlier, D&O insurance has had to step in to finance all those lawsuits. All these lawsuits are being filed. D&O insurance steps in. They are the financiers. They have to pay for all of it. And so they pay for the defense costs and then they would have to pay for any settlements or judgments as well. Of course, that's up to the limits. So as all insurance companies do, they set coverage limits and they'll only pay up to that coverage amount. In the past, it hasn't been an issue. In the past, a lot of settlements were in derivative suits were pretty low amounts. And so that wasn't a big issue that it was going to hit that limit. But now we're seeing really large settlements. For example, Alphabet last year settled a case, a derivative lawsuit that had stemmed from the Me Too movement for $310 million, which is a very large amount. The other part of this is that derivative suits are the most threatening types of suits to insurance carriers because they are routinely not indemnifiable by the corporation, meaning that the insurance company Going to have to pay all of it, and this leads to large payouts by the insurers. The other thing to keep in mind is that experts in DNO insurance and in litigation, as we are experiencing these ultra large derivative suit settlements, they also believe that this trend is just going to continue. Therefore, as derivative suits increase, so do insurance premiums. In fact, ninety-three respondents of a survey by Woodruff Sawyer reported that their DNO insurance premiums had increased in 2020. 93% saw an increase. In addition, insurance companies are lowering the coverage limits, meaning if a judgment or settlement is higher than the limits, that will expose that director or officer to that personal financial liability. And we're also seeing insurance company not renewing clients. They could also decide to drop clients. And again, this will expose the directors and officers to that personal liability.
0: What influence do we imagine that D&O insurers could have in the areas of diversity, equity, inclusion for their insurance customers, their clients? And is there any evidence that they are exerting that sort of influence ex ante?
1: D&O insurance underwriters, the people who are deciding who gets insured and how much they're going to be insured for, They assess risk and they play a vital role in determining who gets insurance, what the premiums are going to be, what the coverage is going to be allowed. And it's based on board and officer behavior. They go in and they do an investigation, they interview the board members and the officers, and they come up with a number. And it really has to do with that corporate culture because that is what they see as being the biggest risk. Ultimately, DNO insurers have indirectly become the catalyst for change, holding directors and officers accountable for the diversity equity inclusion commitments. They have the power to raise premiums to drop coverage, to lower coverage. They may increase the rate to an unsustainable amount for a company. The rise in premiums may also lead to future additional shareholder litigation, which I can give an example. Tesla was sued by their shareholders and part one of the allegations in there was that the premiums for DNO insurance had increased so great that it costs the shareholders money. So that is an example of where the premiums led to. Additional shareholder litigation. This crisis threatens the board's stability and their governance structure. And it really is the reason why DO insurance can affect corporate behavior significantly. We actually have seen something very similar in the 1980s. They call it now the DO insurance crisis. And what they saw was that after decades of expanding coverage and low premiums, the market for DO insurance changed drastically. Premiums skyrocketed deductibles increased and coverage was reduced. The reason this happened is there was a substantial increase in shareholder litigation against directors and the d market immediately affected corporate behavior. We saw directors resign when corporations insurance lapsed while other individuals declined invitations to serve on boards because firms lost directors and officers insurance. So we have seen something similar in the past. I think right now we haven't quite seen how much of an effect these diversity-driven derivative suits are going to be having on directors and officers. Everything is a bit of a lag, especially in the law. We're just now seeing these large settlements from the Me Too movement era, but I believe that we will see some very similar behavior to what we saw in the 1980s. But now I think what's different with this is I believe it's more likely that directors and officers will change their behavior rather than straight out quit the board. And that's for a number of reasons. When it comes to diversity initiatives, we are seeing this all over the place. It's not just in the corporate setting. In the 1980s, The reason why we saw the shareholder litigation increase was because of these mergers and the shareholders didn't want these mergers to go through. And that was very specific to corporate America. But now these diversity initiatives that are being called for, we are seeing it all over. It's not just in the corporate America world. It's our entire world. I think that will force them to really change their behavior in that situation. Another example, because I brought up Tesla. Now, this wasn't out of a diversity driven suit. This was out of a different derivative suit, but Tesla actually canceled their DNO policy for the 2019, 2020 year due to high premiums. They saw their premiums skyrocket. Actually, Elon Musk himself deciding it was a good idea to cancel the insurance. And they said it was disproportionately high premiums quoted by insurance companies and therefore The directors and officers decided to cancel the insurance. And really what happened in that situation is Musk himself personally indemnifies Tesla directors for personal liability arising under being a director or officer for Tesla. Now he can do that because he is the richest man ever, but most companies aren't going to be able to do that. They're not going to say, we can just cancel our DNO insurance now that the premiums are so high because. They don't have the ability to have someone personally indemnify each board officer and director.
0: What key takeaways would you like listeners to take from this article and this interview? And are there any open questions you hope to explore in the future?
1: Some of the key takeaways that I would get is that this recent wave in diversity-driven derivative suits is not the only pressures that companies are facing when it comes to improving Their diversity, equity, inclusion efforts. Institutional investors such as BlackRock and Vanguard are making clear that the companies they invest in that they expect them to have racial diversity on their boards, and they're requiring them to disclose those if they're going to invest in them. There have also been several lawmakers focusing on corporate diversity, both at the federal and the state level. We had the Improving Corporate Governments Through Diversity Act of 2019 which was passed by the U.S. House of Representatives in November 2019. The bill requires that issuers of securities must disclose the racial, ethnic, and gender composition on their boards of directors and executive officers, as well as the status of any of those directors or officers as a veteran. It also required the disclosure of any plan to promote racial, ethnic, and gender diversity among these groups. It further required the SEC to create a diversity advisory group. But the SEC took a step further, because in August of 2021, they approved the NASDAQ stock market proposals, mandating reporting and disclosures of information about diversity on the boards. The newly adopted rules require each NASDAQ listed company to publicly disclose information on the voluntarily self identified gender and racial characteristics and LGBTQ plus status. The changes further required at least two members of a company's board of directors to be diverse, including at least one director who self-identifies as female and at least one director who self-identifies as an underrepresented minority for LGBTQ. And if they don't, have that on their board, then the company will need to explain why it doesn't have such diversity that is required. Also, at the state level, you know, the country has watched as the state of California to believe in for diversity. 2018, they had that state mandate that all public companies headquartered in California had to have at least one woman on the board now, most recently, the governor expanded the mandate to include that by the end of 2021, those companies must also have a minimum of one director from that underrepresented group. And so what I think we'll see here is as stakeholder demands for accountability to diversity and inclusion efforts continue to rise and those diversity requirements are coincide into law, there's going to be more avenues for shareholder litigation to be created and to win shareholders will have an easier time overcoming the procedural hurdles of derivative suits with the elevated litigation frequency and the increased severity of these settlements that we are seeing this is all going to lead to the dno insurance premiums rising more coverage limits continuing to be decreased and more companies will be denied coverage and renewals as open questions go i would say there's a lot of open questions I will say some people were like, are directors and officers, do they really care about the premiums for their insurance policies? Because the company pays that at the director's insurance, so they don't have to see that. And the Tesla example is just a really good representation of what could happen because they were paying attention to that. And the premiums did skyrocket so much, it really did cause a change in behavior. Now, that change was to drop the insurance and personally indemnify the company. But again, since that can't happen for anyone, something else is going to drive change. And that change behavior is what we'll
0: see. Our guest today has been Angela Nearest, lecturer at the Indiana University Killing School of Business. We've discussed her article, The Unlikely Pressure for Accountability, The Insurance Industry's Role in Social Change, which is forthcoming in the Texas Journal on Civil Liberties and Civil Rights. A link to the article and show notes for the episode. Angela? Thank you for joining the Business Scholarship Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Andrew.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Scholarship Podcast. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to the podcast or leaving a rating on your favorite podcast app, or let other people know about it too. If you have suggestions for future episodes, please let me know. My email address is andrew at andrewkjennings.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.